Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Hopkins. I'm the minister here at 17th Street Christian Church in Corbin, Kentucky. And thank you guys so much for listening today. Today, we're continuing on with our conversation through the book of Galatians. Today, we are in Galatians chapter 2. We're going to be talking all about works and service. This is kind of a touchy subject because service does not make us Christian. Whenever we do good works, whenever we serve others, that does not make us Christians. Being a Christian should mean you ought to serve. You should be compelled to serve and to do work because of your love and the grace God has shown you. So this is a pretty challenging conversation today. So I ask that you listen with an open mind and see where God takes it. And again, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, make sure you tell a friend, share this online, let someone else know. Um, That way they can hear the same stuff that you got out of it and Hey, we would love it if you would come join us in person one day. We meet every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock here in Corbin. Go to our website. You can get directions on how to get here at the church or even watch some services live or come visit us in person. That's at www.17scc.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. Good morning. Hey, everybody. Again, welcome to 17th Street. I'm so happy you guys are here today. You know, I, uh, you know sometimes you have to eat your own words. Sometimes, you know, you say something, then it comes back and slaps you in the face. I've been saying for the past few weeks, I said, man, I am ready for spring. I'm ready for warm weather. I'm tired of cold. Well, it came, and now I can't talk. So it's bear with me today. <clears throat> there you go. So just bear with me today if I'm a little, sound a little, uh, you know, teenagery today, a little nasally, just forgive me. Uh, but again, I'm so happy you guys are here today. If you're, well, if you're joining us for the first time or if you're watching online, my name's Mike, and I'm happy you're here. You know, last week we started a brand new conversation walking through the book or the letter to the Galatians. Um, and I'm really excited about this series because there's so much good that we can pull from Paul's writings. You know, last week, uh, just to kind of hit a little bit of what we talked about, we talked all about um, this was one of the churches that Paul helped start. And so now they've started to, you know, kind of veer away from what the real purpose of the church was. And so he gives them this letter and he really gives it to them and said, hey, these are the things you're doing wrong. These are the things you need to fix. If you were here last week, you remember we talked about the Judaizers, those who were more focused on the old law, not focused on Jesus. And so he's pointing them back to them. He goes over the main point of the chapter one is all about priorities. And that's what we talked about last week. And I'm going to ask it to you again. Hopefully you were able to answer it last week. Is the gospel your number one priority? Because if it's not, it should be. Is the gospel your number one priority? And there's a theme all through the whole book of Galatians. We hit on it last week, and today we're going to hit on it some more. And that theme is grace. The grace that we don't deserve. And the thing is, like we hit last week, some of us have yet to really embrace it. You know, we may have become a Christian, we may have been baptized, we may have, you know, stood before believers and said, I believe in you, God, but yet at the same time, we've still never embraced the grace that God has truly offered us. And we, some of us still feel like we're in that desert. Maybe you're, if you don't, if you weren't here last week, go check out that message. It's online. I would love it for you to go check it out. But hey, just like we're doing every single week, if you did your memory work this past week, remember we're doing this every Sunday because the Bible doesn't fulfill its purpose if we don't read it. (laughs) I mean, it's doing its thing, but we're not doing our thing. So we have to get into it. We have to. If you did your memory work, recite with me out of the book of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to all those who believe. First the Jew, then the Gentile. That's us. Hopefully you got something out of that. Today, 
Let's continue on with this conversation of grace and Paul's writings. But first of all, I'm going to give you all some numbers that blow my mind. I feel like I shared a little bit of this a few weeks ago, um, so I'm just going to share it again. So this is a little bit on repeat. These are crazy to me. You guys know I like my sports. I talk about them too often at times. That's very honest. But this is wild to me. You ready for this? If this year, if you were on the team that won the Super Bowl, we won't get on to who it was. If you were on that team, you received a bonus check of $150,000 for winning that game. And listen, we're not going to argue or not whether that was needed or not. We're not, getting, we're not going to take it to that. But $150,000 for winning a 60-minute ball game. Last year, I don't know if we're going to have one this year, but the, all the players who won the World Series, the Braves, if you were on that team, each player won a check of $382,000 for winning a baseball game. I love to golf. don't get to do it very often. Whenever spring comes around, I like to watch the Masters every April. I just love it. I like to watch and, you know, just see the things I can't do at all. The winner of the Masters tournament last year won a check of $2 million. That's not even the biggest one. In the PGA, if you follow golf at all, the last tournament of the year, the big one's called the Tour Championship. Whoever wins the Tour Championship, they win a check of $18 million. We're in the wrong business, aren't we? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it, church? Numbers are astronomical. And the reason I bring these things up is because we live in a society today where, at times, at least we should, we get rewarded for what we do. We, work, we go to work, we get a paycheck. We do this, we receive this. We do this, we get this. We live in this reward-type system. Maybe um, you remember whenever you were growing up or whenever you had kids, you, maybe you gave them an allowance, maybe you didn't give them an allowance, maybe you have a very strong opinions on allowance, so that's not, we're going to get in that today. But maybe many of you didn't give that allowance unless the kids did their chores. Maybe they had to go work outside, they had to do the dishes, they had to do whatever, and if they did it, well, they got rewarded for it. Maybe many of you who are in sales, or people you know who are in sales, what? You make a big sale, you, com you, you get what? You get commission. You get rewarded for it. Let's go a little PG-13 today. Men, whenever you do a few more dishes than what you're supposed to, maybe do a couple more chores, sometimes you do it what? To get an extra little sugar. Let's just be honest. We live in a world where we expect to be rewarded, don't we? We put in the work, and we want to reap the benefits of that church. Today, we're talking about work. And I feel bad because Jason messaged me the other day and he was like, you know, bouncing some ideas off Sunday school. And I said, yeah, I'm not talking at all about what you're about to speak on. And here we are today. He hit on a little bit today during Sunday school. And this is kind of a messy conversation. And, I, and the reason I say this is because if you don't listen closely, you can leave today not getting the point. You'll leave here thinking the exact opposite of what I'm trying to get across. So I encourage you to really listen closely. Because today, we're not going to talk about what Mike says about work or service. We're going to talk about what God says about works and service and volunteering and whatever, however it is you want to call it. Church, this is an important conversation because I honestly believe some of us in the room do not value ourselves. I'm sure there's someone here today where you truly don't see your own value. You wake up, you look in the mirror, and everything you look at physically and spiritually and mentally or emotionally, you just don't like it. It scares you. You, don't, you have no value with yourself. Listen to this. This is what Matt Chandler says about value. Your approval before God is woven into the life and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. 
not what other men and women think about you. That kind of reiterates a little bit what we talked about last week. We went over Galatians chapter 1, what we say in verse 10. For I am I now seeking the approval of man or God. Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Maybe some of the reason we struggle with value is because we're still pleasing the wrong people or trying to. I remember we had a whole uh, conversation. It's been a few years ago. We did a whole series in one of our youth. Um, it, it wasn't long after I got into youth ministry. We had a whole series talking about identity. It was all about, you know, what's our identity? Who, who is our identity really in? Where does it come from? Kind of, you know, kind of goes on from this. And we, we talked about this verse in the book of Philippians. It says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we, eagerly, we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into a glorious bodies like his own, using the same power which he will bring everything under his control. If you have an identity problem today, I really want you to reread that verse later. Let's, let's have a little fun. Let's do an exercise. Um, it's in your bulletin, and I'm, I'm going to invite you to be prideful for a couple minutes. You've got three minutes to be prideful with these questions. You're going to look in your bulletin. I, I ask you to answer these honestly. I really want you to think to yourself and, and write down, what are the best things that I have done? Not Mike, like, answer for yourself. What are the best things I've done this past year? Write them down. If you, if you can't write it down, just think about it. What's the best stuff I've done? What's the most service I've done? What's the works? What have I done? Now I want you to think about it from last year. What's the best stuff you did last year? What, where did you serve last year? What works did you do? Now think about the last five years or even your life. What's the best stuff you've ever done when it comes to serving? And as you think about that, I want to tell you, whatever you put on that paper it's not enough. Amen. And like I said, I don't want, you need to listen carefully because you can leave here thinking the wrong thing. Serving does not make us Christian. Being a Christian makes us want to serve. Jason was talking a little bit about work today in Sunday school, and that's why we're kind of hitting on that whole conversation today. Um, I don't know if there's any Shakespeare fans or not, but if you, if you watched or read on William Shakespeare, it was Henry V. It was that play. It talks about King Henry, and there's a scene where he's praying to God to beg for his favor. And while he's praying, he starts to list all the good work that he does. Simultaneously struggling with the knowledge of, are these good works coming to anything? I really want you to think about this question. If you were to appear before God today, and he came down and said, listen, you've got five minutes to tell me why you deserve to be in heaven. What would you say? What would you say? Would you start listing the things that maybe you wrote on your bulletins? Because I'm here to tell you our works are not enough, church. They're not enough. Let's read a little bit. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2. Um, you know, it starts out, we're going to skip over the first few verses. It, talk, it gives a brief um, biographical section. He reviews his relationship with the church and everything. It kind of sets up this whole conversation. And he, he gets into the reason on why we believe on how God justifies us. We're going to talk a little bit about that word today. And what does that mean to be justified? I you know it's a big fancy lawyer, you know, 
church term. <laughs> Let's just make it simple. We are justified as the process of us receiving forgiveness and salvation. That's what it means to be justified. We are justified um, through Christ. So let's read a little bit. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 15. It says this, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. I think that's just, I could hear them all like, you know, like, you know, jeering a little bit when they read the first, that part of the letter. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we've obeyed the law, for no one, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ. And we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, if I'm a sinner, if I rebuild the old system of the law, I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. That's some powerful stuff, church. <laughs> not saying the rest of the Bible is not powerful. But sometimes I read scripture and I, scripture and I just imagine God going, Pow! he slaps me across the face. And I read that because it gets to me sometimes. And it makes me think about, well, you know, why do I, you know, why, why should I go to heaven? It's like, well, you know, because I did this and I did this and I did this. And God's looking and says, that's not enough. It's about your faith. And we're going to get to that here a little bit more. And this is so crazy for the church this time to hear that. You hear what he said? He's like, hey, they're writing to this church who's trying to revert back to the Old Testament law and the way things used to be. And Paul's saying, the law is not good enough. Could you imagine? It's hard for us to kind of think about that in today's terms, but this is crazy. It's almost blasphemous in that church's mindset. There's a few different temptations I think we have in our faith. The first one is this. We try to earn the favor of God, don't we? We try to earn God's favor. That's why so often in our prayers we say, God, if you answer this prayer, I promise I'll do this, even though we never do. We try to earn the favor of God, but the reality is we don't earn God's favor. He gives it to us. Read again what it says in verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. That is one of our temptations. We try to earn God's favor but yet we'll never earn it because we'll never be good enough, church. That's why he sent his son to die for us. And that's a hard truth to get around. We have to finally get to the point to say, I, it doesn't matter what I do on this earth, I will never be worthy, but through Christ we're made worthy. It's a hard place to get to. The second thing is this, another temptation that we have is comparison. And I, I feel like when we talk about comparison, we always, <clears throat> excuse me, we always 
say we shouldn't compare to those who have more, right? Like we should be happy with what we have. I feel like when we say the word comparison, that's what we think of, right? I'm seeing a couple of nods, a few people looking at me. Uh, we, we, <laughs> I feel like that's what we do. I think in this instance, this is not what we really struggle with. I think when we're talking about works and the things we do, many of us compare to those who have less. I don't want you to think material-wise for a second. I want you to think spiritual-wise or in the act of doing service or works. You know, a lot of things I preach on, some things I really don't struggle with, and it's easy for me to talk about it. Some things I have issues with church, and this is one I struggle with personally. Some of us, we compare with those who don't seem to be serving as much as us. This is something I fall into all the time. It's very easy for Mike to sit back and go, man, you know what, I, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, and they didn't do it. But yet we're confused on why we're not as close to God as everyone else. There's a danger in that type of comparison, church. I want you to ask yourself right now, have you fallen into that comparison trap? Do you compare yourself with those who you think maybe do less because I do it all the time? I'm just being honest. Did it in high school, did it in college, do it today. I struggle. That's a sin that I struggle with. It's a danger. It's a temptation. Because we read here in Scripture and it tells us that, you know, the works are great, but they're not going to save you. Comparison. You know, there's a few points I want to point out um, at there toward the end of um, chapter 2. If you look at verse 20 and 21, there's a couple things that Paul talks about that, that we really don't need to go over quickly. And the first one is this. The first is vital. If someone could be saved by what they do, Jesus died in vain. We, we, did you read that when we read it? He's saying, if, if this was all you had to do, then there was no reason for Christ to die. Let's not go over that quickly. <laughs> Paul is saying, if all you have to do was follow the law, Jesus wouldn't have came. Yet some of us still have that mindset today. You know, it's easy for us to look at the church from a few thousand years ago and say, well, I understand why they struggled. It's a new ideology, you know, new, it's a new beliefs. Yet we still struggle with it today. As long as I do this, 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 I'm okay. It's not what Scripture tells us. It's through grace and through faith alone that we one day will be saved. Look at Matthew chapter 5, 17. Do not think that I have, this is Jesus talking, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Romans 5.10, for while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? You know, the second thing, his motivation is love. How much Jesus loves us. That's probably the most preached sermon in the world, is talking about how much Christ loves us. And yet some of us still don't get it. Half the songs we sing... Talks about Jesus' love. Jesus loves me this Sunday. Wow, no one knows Jesus loves me. We, 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 were watching a com we were watching a commercial the other day, or I was watching. Jenna was not watching. I don't know. And it was, I think it was a truck commercial. And they were doing this thing in the commercial. They were going. And then it clicked out, and I started going, Jesus loves me. And in the middle of this truck commercial. We sing about it. We talk about it. But do you realize how much he loves you? Look at Isaiah 54. Throw the mountains be shaken, the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. I don't know about you all, but I, I'm getting worried when I turn on the news. It's scary. I open up Twitter every night, and I'm just waiting to see something bad happen. I remember, I guess it was two years ago, this might have been this week when, you know, the world kind of got turned upside down. 
I remember I was at work and I was just on my phone. And I was just watching people getting hospitalized and things getting closed down and people dying and the world freaking out. And but yet we forget what Isaiah says, that though the mountains may be shaken, the hills be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Psalms, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. How often do you glorify God for how much he loves you? You know, why, why do we sing to God? Well, it's fun. I like to sing. I love music. But we're not singing just to, you know, have a good time. We're singing to give God glory. Say, God, thank you so much for loving me. Because I don't deserve it. It doesn't matter how much I do. I'll never earn the salvation. You just give it to me. That's why we sing. That's why we praise. Because of your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Church, there's a few takeaways. I kind of want. I didn't have a very. I didn't have a huge message today. I'll be honest with you. There's just a few points I really want to get across, and you're about to see them right now, in, in, in your bulletin. These are the takeaways I want you to take. The first one is this: We do not earn salvation. It's a gift. Well, Mike, we earn it. We have to do the things. Yeah, but it's still given to you. Scripture tells us that not everyone who, you know, confesses the Lord will one day be there. We have, we have been warned on that. We do not earn salvation. It is a gift. Number two is we are not made Christian by works, but we work because we are Christian. Service does not make us a believer of Jesus. If you truly believe, you should be serving. And the third thing is this, is the one that you need to take home. Works aren't pointless. Don't leave here going, well, as long as I have faith, I'm good. I'm never volunteering again. No, 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 no. <laughs> Works are not pointless. They are not. Look with me in James. Jason read it this morning. Chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace. Be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Some of us are on one of the two spectrums, aren't we? Well, do, 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 without God. And some of us you know, have all the faith in the world, but we won't step up and do something. You know, last week I, I kind of talked a little bit about how what's one way that we can prioritize the gospel in our lives and how do we prioritize where we spend our time and our money shows what we care about, right? We've talked a lot about that. And, and so I really encourage you, if you're not volunteering here in this church in some capacity, what are you doing? We need to do that. Well, this is what I, want, I challenge you to do. If you're here today and you want to volunteer, you want to help in some way, you want to serve, but you have no idea how, and the idea of asking just makes you nervous, I just want you to put your name on a card and drop it in the giving box, and I'll call you. And we'll find, we'll find a spot for how you can help God do what he's wanting to do through this church. Do it. Make it as simple as that. And the fourth takeaway is this. Is your identity in Christ. Because if you say it is, but you're not doing these things, then it's not. The nameplate's not correct. There's a song came out, uh, I might have been in high school, I'm not sure exactly when it came out, but it was called, uh, I am a child of the one true king. And some of us aren't living our lives like that. You know, people, royal families, they get, a lot, they get to do a lot of cool things. 
I mean, if I was a prince in Nobby Dobby, I mean, I'd probably live in life pretty cool, right? I'd drive a Ferrari around, you know, I'd get the perks of being, you know, you know, power and wealthy. You know, God has given us perks for being his children, and yet some of us are still not embracing them. Let's pray. Father, God, I want you to forgive me for playing the comparison game. God, forgive me for trying to earn your favor. God, forgive me for not just focusing on you enough. Lord, because I know that without works, my faith is dead, but I also know, Lord, i got to work. And God, i got to have faith. God, if there's someone here today who may be struggling in one of these areas to where they're playing the comparison game or they're not dedicating their time to you, Father, in some way, God, I pray right now you just open up their lives, open up their mind and let them see that it's only through you, Lord, that we will one day have salvation. God, we love you and we ask this in your son's name. Amen. You know, Romans chapter 6 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. We should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. There's someone here today who is still slave to sin because you've not stood in front of a group of people and said, God, I trust you, I believe in you, and you're giving your life over to him. If that's you today, I challenge you to come forward. Make a decision. The baptistry is full. Let's change your life. But there's also someone here today, you've already given your life over to Christ, but you feel like you're still in that desert we talked about last week. It's time to embrace grace, church. Your faith without works is dead, but your works without faith is also pointless. If you need to have a conversation and you're ready to take that next step into whatever it is God is trying to do through you, would you come? Let's stand and let's sing. And if you need to talk, don't waste today. Let's sing.